This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in Counselor Education and Supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Brittany Murphy? The events surrounding her death and her relationship with Simon Monjack were explored in the two-part HBO documentary, What Happened, Brittany Murphy. So first I'll look at the background in this case, then I'll move to my analysis. Brittany Murphy was born in Atlanta, Georgia on November 10, 1977. Her mother is Sharon Murphy. Her father is Angelo Bertolotti. Her parents divorced when she was two years old. She had two half-brothers who were older and one half-sister who was younger. Brittany was raised by her mother in Edison, New Jersey. In 1982, Brittany attended school to learn dancing and theater. In 1991, her family moved to Los Angeles to allow Brittany to pursue a career in acting. Brittany wanted this career, and her mom was supportive. Brittany had a number of small roles in television series, but she really didn't become popular until she was in the 1995 movie Clueless. From this point, she was offered roles in several movies, like Freeway, Girl Interrupted, Don't Say a Word, Eight Mile, Just Married, Uptown Girls, Sin City, and Happy Feet. Her final movie was Something Wicked. It wasn't released until 2014. Brittany voiced a character on the animated sitcom King of the Hill from 1997 to 2009. As Brittany was building her career in movies and TV, she was active romantically. She dated Aston Kutcher in 2002. She became engaged to a talent manager, then became engaged to a production assistant in 2005. That engagement was terminated in 2006. Brittany would meet a British screenwriter named Simon Monjack in 2006. The couple would marry in May 2007. It was a bit of a surprise. They didn't really tell anybody what they were doing. They stayed together for the rest of Brittany's life. On December 20, 2009, at 8 a.m., emergency services were called to Brittany's residence. She was there along with her mother, Sharon, and her husband, Simon. Sharon said that Brittany collapsed in the bathroom. Brittany was taken to the hospital and went into cardiac arrest. She died at 10.04 a.m. Here's what Sharon and Simon said happened. When they were in Puerto Rico two weeks earlier, Brittany developed flu-like symptoms. On the day she died, Brittany was complaining of shortness of breath and severe abdominal pain. Brittany went to the bathroom at 7.30 a.m. About 30 minutes later, Sharon discovered Brittany unresponsive. Sharon and Simon carried Brittany into the shower and ran cold water on her to wake her up instead of starting CPR or calling for help. The authorities found 90 prescription bottles on Simon's side of a nightstand in the house. Some of the prescriptions were in different names. They found many bottles for Brittany as well. Again, some used aliases. Many different physicians wrote the prescriptions. Simon requested that no autopsy be performed, but of course one was performed. Brittany died at age 32, which is highly unusual. The autopsy indicated that Brittany had pneumonia, was severely anemic, as if she had not been eating, and had a number of prescription and over-the-counter drugs in her system. She had not been using alcohol or illegal drugs. 
Brittany had been in a car accident on the set of the movie Eight Mile. She was taking hydrocodone as a result. She was also taking a number of other drugs, just to name a few, Topamax, Clonopin, an antidepressant, cough medicine, and a beta blocker. Pneumonia was ruled as the official cause of death. The other conditions were contributing factors. On May 23, 2010, Simon Monjack was found unresponsive in the home he had shared with Brittany. He was pronounced dead at 9.45 p.m. The autopsy revealed that he had acute bronchial pneumonia, anemia, and several drugs in his system, including Valium, Vicodin, Celexa, Indorol, Ativan, and Lyrica. His cause of death was ruled as pneumonia and anemia. So we see a striking similarity between the way that he died and the way Brittany died. Now moving to my analysis. Right before meeting Simon, Brittany appeared to be going through a rough time. Her career was on the rise, but she was feeling insecure. She was particularly aware of how she didn't exactly meet the Hollywood ideal for a leading lady. She felt under pressure to lose weight in order to increase her chances of being considered for a significant leading role. Brittany really wanted to be a legendary movie star, not just a good actress. She wanted to make it big. She was probably not well equipped to deal with all these external forces. People described her as childlike, trusting, and naive. This would not be unusual. She was only 17 when she started working on the movie Clueless. In addition, she was cut off from some of the normal socialization opportunities because she was an actress. She had a tutor on set instead of having to go to school. She was primarily relating to other people who were older than her and more experienced. Brittany was described as an authentic person who never had an unkind word for anyone. Looking at her personality on the five-factor model, she had high openness to experience, low to mid-range conscientiousness, very high extroversion, very high agreeableness, and mid-range to above-average neuroticism. Brittany's personality, combined with the stress that she was under, left the door open for somebody like Simon Monjack to enter her life. Let's take a look at Simon's personality. He appeared to have average openness to experience, low conscientiousness, mid-range extroversion, low agreeableness, and high neuroticism. During one dinner with various Hollywood people, Simon was controlling and talkative as he made a number of astounding claims. Simon claimed that he was a billionaire, saying something to the effect that his grandfather founded British Steel. He was a large collector of Vermeer paintings. This is a famous Dutch painter. He dated El McPherson and Madonna. At one time he had been dying of terminal cancer, but then he bought an experimental treatment made from shark fins and was cured. He owned 17 Ferraris. He claimed that a movie of his, Two Days, Nine Lives, was getting the best reviews in Britain in the history of independent film. Later, it was revealed that Simon had lied about all those claims. This doesn't seem particularly surprising considering the nature of those claims. We also see that he had a son and a daughter from two other relationships. Brittany did not know about either of these children. Simon had an arrest history. He had overstayed his visa in the United States, and at one point he was charged with credit card fraud. Those charges were dropped. He had some civil litigation as well. He had been evicted from four different houses. A prior love interest suggested that he had demanded sex and claimed that he had cancer in order to get sex. 
Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. A number of Simon's behaviors are consistent with narcissism and psychopathy. The excessive deception, particularly of a grandiose nature, his manipulative, controlling, demanding, and possessive behavior, his claiming to have cancer to get his way, his criminal history, and of course his excessive drug and alcohol use. Simon was a dangerous romantic partner regardless of who he was with, but Brittany Murphy appeared to be particularly vulnerable. Around the time they became a couple, Brittany was losing weight and probably using drugs. After she was with Simon, she lost more weight and used more drugs. Simon was able to take control of Brittany. They spent a lot of time in Brittany's residence. They hardly went out at all. She became more isolated from her friends and colleagues. Eventually, Brittany did not even have a cell phone, and there were no landlines in her residence. Her friends attempted to intervene on at least one occasion, but Brittany would have none of it. She insisted Simon was good for her. Brittany became increasingly paranoid, worried about the paparazzi, for example, in part because of Simon's warnings. Simon was functioning as her business manager, agent, and even her makeup artist. He had a lot of interest in Brittany's money. He spent $3 million that belonged to her during their relationship. He bought fake jewelry and pretended it was real, like it was some type of investment. It seems likely he was doing this so he could have some type of explanation as to where the money was spent. So he was buying this cheap jewelry, saying it was expensive, and probably doing something else with that money. When Brittany was working on the movie Across the Hall, the quality of her work had diminished greatly. She was late for work, appeared to be out of it, like in a fog. Simon would hang around on the set. Brittany seemed to be in a good mood before she talked to Simon, but then after spending time with him, she was in a bad mood. At one point, Brittany told the director that she would not act intimate with another actor, only with her husband. They had a magical relationship. After the director allowed Simon to overhear that Brittany could be fired, Simon decided the relationship wasn't so magical and Brittany could follow the script. From this point, Brittany's condition only grew more serious. She continued to isolate and use drugs. Simon pushed her into getting plastic surgery. He was very focused on her physical appearance. In particular, he wanted her to be thin. It's almost like he desired this narcissistic perfection, this idea that narcissists want beauty that has no flaws. 
Simon staged these unusual late-night photo shoots in Brittany's residence. So again, we see this focus on appearance. Brittany's last job was in a movie titled The Caller. Her behavior was so non-productive, she was fired a few days in. After Brittany died, Simon continued to use drugs. Many people thought that he responded to Brittany's death in an unusual way. For example, during an interview with Larry King, Simon defended the fact that he didn't want an autopsy by saying that Brittany had a pristine body, was curvy in all the right places, and had skin like silk. So once again, we revisit this idea of narcissistic perfection. Some people also thought that Simon became inappropriately close with Sharon Murphy. For example, Sharon would spend time in bed with him crying, and they took some unusual photographs together. Simon romanticized Brittany's death like it was some great love story that had a necessarily tragic ending. He took credit for Brittany's career success. He also attempted to make money from having a memorial for Brittany where people would have to pay to attend. He canceled it, but the damage to his reputation was already done. One might think that Simon had some type of master plan. Maybe he was getting ready to move on to another victim, but then he died in the same way that Brittany died, adding just another twist to an already bizarre story. With all the information about the behavior, personality characteristics, and the events in this case, what led to the death of these two individuals? Here are my thoughts. This is just my opinion. I think that Brittany wanted to achieve the Hollywood ideal in terms of appearance. As she lost weight, she became more vulnerable. She didn't feel well. She was more susceptible to partnering with somebody who she believed could take care of her. Simon had a reputation for taking advantage of women, but Brittany did not know that. He probably saw Brittany as the perfect target, a famous Hollywood actress with a lot of money. In addition, we see some alignment in what they wanted. He had this idea of the narcissistic ideal, narcissistic perfection, and Brittany wanted to achieve an ideal like this for different reasons, to advance her career. Nothing related to narcissism. But either way, there was this alignment. In a sense, they wanted the same thing for different reasons. Simon immediately used his manipulation skills to take control of Brittany. He encouraged her to lose more weight, which made her more vulnerable, and he used drugs with her, which masked some of the pain that Brittany was experiencing. She did not realize how physically vulnerable she was because the drugs made her feel good. As symptoms increased in severity, the drug use increased. Brittany and Simon were both in a tailspin. Simon had been pulled in by his own nefarious methods, caught in his own web, so to speak. He was too dependent on prescription drugs. The couple was able to get all the drugs they wanted due to Brittany's wealth and Simon's criminal knowledge. Their descent into chaos and danger would have gone unnoticed if it weren't for Brittany's fame but even that could not protect them. There is the sense when looking at this case that Simon was destined for this fate. He was a narcissistic criminal that lived impulsively. Brittany was not. She appeared to be destined for greatness, but Simon's behavior, combined with Brittany's poor partner selection, led to her downfall. Some people who have looked at this case have said that the emphasis on Simon is misplaced. He wasn't really that bad. His behavior did not lead to all this destruction. Brittany was an adult. She had enough money to hire proper advisors. She was responsible for her own behavior 
including the drug use. I look at this case a little differently. I think that Brittany was caught in a whirlwind of fame, money, pressure, and drugs when she had the misfortune of running into Simon. The dangerousness of a master manipulator should never be underestimated. Brittany was somewhat naive and agreeable, but it was really Simon's behavior that trapped her in a cycle of low self-esteem and drug use. He was able to project his own insecurity, sense of failure, and penchant for destruction onto Brittany. He dragged her down to his level and sealed her fate along with his own. Simon has been portrayed as a villain in this case, and many people have a low opinion of him. So low, in fact, that the suggestion that he was dead weight could actually be considered a compliment in comparison to other descriptors which have been assigned to him. It is important to remember that even though it appears as though Simon was guilty in this case, he was a human being and his behavior was shaped by circumstances just like anyone else's. People don't choose to have narcissism and psychopathy. There's a story behind what happened to him. It's just not known what that is. The story of Brittany Murphy and Simon Monjack is really not about the dangers of fame and fortune. It's about the dangers of narcissistic manipulators who target vulnerable people. Those special manipulators who know how to find the vulnerability in that mixture of fame and fortune and disguise their bad behavior in a sea of media scrutiny. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.